0: Mark chapter one is where we're gonna go. So um, earlier this week, uh, my wife, Sydney, and I, we had the joy of getting to host some of our favorite people in the world from Kenya, Uh, our, our friend, Marathi, who, if you've been around Ethos for a while, you've either heard me talk about him or a lot of you have probably met Marathi. Marathi came to visit with his oldest daughter, Winnie, who is getting ready to enter into her senior year of high school. And so they were here with us for a few days. And Mwini had never been in Nashville before, so they wanted just kind of the full, like, Nashville experience. So we took them down to Broadway, as every good uh, person from Kenya needs to experience Broadway. And so we took them down there, and we, we ate, and we hung out, and kind of showed them around the city. And then on Thursday, we wanted to just kind of get them out of the city to go see some of the fun stuff that's all in and around kind of the Nashville area. And so we took them out to Cummins Falls. Raise your hand if you've ever been to Cummins Falls before. How, you can make a little noise, how awesome is Cummins Falls? Like, it, it's one of my favorite places within driving distance of Nashville. It's this awesome waterfall, you hike down to it, you can jump off of certain parts of it into this huge swimming hole. and. And uh, so we wanted to get them out of the city to just go experience some of the best stuff in Middle Tennessee. So it, it was Sydney and I, it was Marathi, his daughter Winnie, and our three and a half year old son Judah that you know, went out to Cummins Falls. And so we're, we're hiking down to the waterfall, and all the way there, I'm just like selling it to my, my youngest son. I'm like, dude, when we get there, we're going to jump off the waterfall. It's going to be amazing. He's getting excited. He's pounding his chest, you know, just getting excited. So we, we get to the waterfall, and I take Morathi and Mwini, I take them up and just kind of show them, hey, here's how you climb up, here's where you can jump off, here's where you don't want to jump off, here's where you go. And Sydney takes Judah kind of down around the bottom part of the falls uh, to the place where everybody's jumping off. And so she takes them, she gets up on the edge of the waterfall. She's there with our three and a half year old son and they jump off and And he comes out of the water like a new man. I mean, I, I think he literally has some hair starting to grow in that little three and a half year old chest. He comes out and he's like so excited. And for the next hour, probably 30 times, hey dad, I jumped off the waterfall and mom has to give me a treat because apparently she bribed, bribed him to do it. And uh, you know, he's just pumped. He's, he's so excited. So uh, we've been playing. And then it was my turn to hang with Judah and for Sydney to get to go up to the top part of the falls with Marathi and Winnie. And so I look at Judah and I say, hey, buddy, let's swim back out to the edge. Let's climb up and let's jump off the waterfall again. He said, no. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. Or in his three and a half year old language, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I want, to eat. I want to eat lunch. And so we sit down and we eat lunch. And then after we're done eating lunch, I'm like, hey, let's swim out. Let's go jump off the waterfall. He said, no, I, I want to stay here on the edge and just play with the rocks. And it, I wasn't really thinking about it, but I just kind of looked at him and I said, come on, dude, let's go, don't you trust me? Now, it was just kind of a casual question that I thought I knew the answer to because I'm his father and I love him. And uh, he looked at me, though, as only a three and a half year old could do, he said, he said, no, I only trust mom. <laughs> True story. And I, I was like, what? Like, I don't want you to trust your mother. I want you to trust me, like. <laughs> don't trust that woman, trust me, and and, and he's like, no, you know, I just trust her, and, and, uh, you know, it it was one of those moments where I, I discovered, like, something so simple that there are still some places between me and my son where apparently his trust in me is just theoretical, like, the whole way there, he's like, I'm with you, we're gonna jump, and then he gets there, and he's like, I only trust that woman, you stay away from me, like, you know, and I go, you know, have you ever been there before, like, where, like, beforehand, you're like, I'm in, like, I, I trust, I can, I can see it, I'm there. And then, and then you get into whatever it is and all of a sudden trust, you realize, is more of a theory than it is a reality. That happens all the time, like in my journey with Jesus. I'm so often challenged by just how easy it is for me to trust Jesus in theory, but to doubt him in reality. Like in a setting like this, to open up the word and to trust that he's good, to trust that he wants to provide, to trust that he has my best interest. I sing, I worship, I take communion with you. I'm on fire for God. And then we get out there outside of whatever this space is. And have you ever noticed just how easy all of a sudden the other stuff begins to reveal itself? Your marriage begins to shake a little bit and all of a sudden trusting Jesus isn't so easy or your plan for life begins to unravel and trusting Jesus isn't so easy or you lose that job or you lose that girl or you lose whatever that thing in is. And have you ever noticed that sometimes these, these moments in life come around and they reveal that the trust that we thought we had in Jesus isn't quite as strong or isn't quite as deep or isn't quite as real as we want it to be. And I was experiencing that with with my son this week. Like I'm there at the waterfall and and I realized, man, there's some places where his his trust in me is just theoretical and I'm not going to change that by telling him the right things or saying the right things. That's only going to be changed in the context of new opportunity. It's only gonna be in the context of new opportunity that his trust in me is gonna move from being theoretical to being actual. And I love this because Jesus, he, he loves you so much and he knows you so well. Jesus knows some of you have been in church like for the majority of your life and he knows your head is filled with all the right information but that information has never made its journey all the way into the heart and until it gets into the heart, you don't get to the fun stuff. And Jesus, he loves us too much to leave us at the place of theoretical trust because theoretical trust produces cultural Christianity and cultural Christianity is a bunch of people trying to keep the rules, trying to do all of the right external things but missing out on all the joy of the kingdom. And so Jesus, he shows up in these moments and he takes us to the edge of whatever that waterfall is in our life. And he says, I wanna invite you to take the next step. And this is what we began looking at last week. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter one, we're gonna jump into verse 14 together. We we spent all of our time last week looking at these first two verses. So we're not gonna spend much time here, but it says, after John was put in prison, it says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near, so repent and believe the good news. And so we talked about this last week. You know, Jesus shows up. This is his first recorded sermon that we have written down from him preaching. And I love the way the sermon starts. He says, I'm here with unbelievably good news, and this is the good news. He says, I'm not inviting you from one religious system into another. Uh, I'm not inviting you to trade one philosophy for another. He says, I'm inviting you right here and right now in the context of your real life to step into a new world, a world within the world. He calls it the kingdom of God. He says, I, I wanna invite you to recognize that God has opened the door. The time has come. The door is opening for you to step in to the world, to this kingdom that Jesus is leading right here and right now. And last week, if you are here, we defined a kingdom like this. We said a kingdom is when a group of people are living in a certain place under the priority, the power, the provision, and the protection of a king. He said, a kingdom is when a group of people living in a certain place put themselves under the priorities, the power, the provision, and the protection of a king. And Jesus shows up and he says, I'm not inviting you into another religion. I'm not asking you to try harder this year at college. I'm not asking you to white-knuckle your behavior into a more socially acceptable format. He says, no, I want to invite you to step into a new world right here and right now. That's the invitation." And I was thinking about that all week going, man, I can't imagine a single person sitting under that teaching, under Jesus' sermon, and not wanting to be a part of that. You know, every person, they're sitting there going, man, that sounds amazing. We want to live in that world. We want to live under your leadership, Jesus. But I bet, just like all of us, at some point, they walked out of that sermon, and they went back into whatever it was, and Jesus looked out, and he knew that no matter how much they wanted to trust that that kingdom was near and that the kingdom was open for them, until they actually stepped into it, it is just theory. And Jesus knew, He, he knew that the good stuff in life is never discovered in the place of theoretical trust. And so Jesus is gonna move them from this place of theory to reality. And here's what I want you to notice, that journey from theoretical trust to actual trust is always developed in the classroom of opportunity. It always comes in the place of opportunity. And so Jesus, he gives them this message He says, God is opening a door for you to step into a brand new way of living. That's not just for them. This is his message to you right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Jesus is opening a door right now for you to step into a brand new way of life. And he shows up the next day. Look at this verse 16, because he knew it hadn't sunk in yet. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. So he's preached this sermon. And a day or two has gone by, we don't know how long. It says he's walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon and his brother Andrew, two guys who I'm convinced would have undoubtedly been there when he preached that sermon before. And he saw them casting their net into the lake for they were fishermen. And he said, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed Jesus. So there's this moment where Jesus looks at them and he says, hey, remember that thing that we talked about yesterday? Now's your opportunity to step into it. And here's what I love. I want you to notice this. You know, Jesus, he gives them the message, and the message is this. Good news, the door's open, step into life with God. That's the message. But he knew that it hadn't sucked in, so he shows up the next day at their work to make sure it gets all the way in. Can can you imagine this? Like, Jesus shows up the next day at your work, and he's like, hey, like, did it really get in? And I, I love this because he shows up on the shore, and he doesn't stand on the shore and say, hey, guys, what'd you think about the sermon yesterday? It's not the question. He doesn't show up and say, hey, hey, do you believe that I was telling you the truth yesterday? That's not the question. Jesus shows up and he says, do you believe me enough to leave everything for that? And if you don't, your trust is theoretical, not actual. He stands up and he doesn't invite them to give him the teaching points from the day before. He doesn't invite them to raise their hand if they bought in. He says, no, I want you to leave your nets and come follow me. I love this. Jesus says, I wanna take you from theoretical trust to actual trust, because it's only when you experience actual trust that you get all the joy, the peace, the life, the adventure. That's the place where it all happens. And he says, and the journey into that is the opportunity. And he stands before them. He says, here's the opportunity. You have an opportunity right now to lay everything aside and come all the way in. Do you want in? I love this, they, they drop their nets, and it says at once they go. I was reminded this week of just how often Jesus moves this way, how he'll teach us something, maybe in your quiet time, or in a church service, or in a conversation with a friend, and then so, so often, right after he's taught you this thing in theory, he'll give you an opportunity to step into it in reality. You know, one of the things I've been doing this summer is I've been prayer walking over different parts of our city, and just asking God what He's up to in the city. And uh, the first several days of this prayer walk, I was walking through parts of the city that are really underserved, under-resourced, really poor parts of the city. And this one day in particular, I was walking through this one aspect or this one area of Nashville that is just overrun with prostitution and drug dealing, and it's just a really broken down kind of struggling part of the city. And I'm, I'm walking through this part of the city. And as I'm walking through praying, just the spirit of God just whispers into my heart, Dave, open your eyes because Jesus always hangs out in places like this. And it's hard to explain. It's like 95 degrees in the middle of the day I'm walking, but just the spirit of God, just, hey, open your eyes, pay attention. Jesus hangs out in places like this. And I'm looking around, I'm just seeing all of this brokenness. I'm seeing all this pain. I don't know what to do with it. So I keep walking. I finished my prayer walk that day. Nothing seems to percolate, but I can't get that little stretch of our city out of my mind. Three days go by and I get this email from somebody that i never met. And she says, hey, uh, here's who I am. I've been working on the governor's task force for human trafficking here in the city of Nashville. And there's this one little stretch in Nashville that's just been overrun by human trafficking and prostitution and drugs, and she says, would you be willing to come meet with me and a group of women that have been trafficked through this area over the last several decades and just hear about what God is doing? And she sends me in my email a little pin drop of where she's talking about in the city. Can you imagine? Can you just guess where the pin drop was? It was right on the very place where I've been walking and praying. I was just overwhelmed by that. Jesus says, hey, pay attention. A door is opening. The kingdom of God is near. I heard the message, but it took a few days for the opportunity to open. And then Jesus said, will you come in? Will you come in? And I I don't know what this will look like for you. I, I don't know what this will look like for all of our stories. What I do know is Jesus is creative. And if I asked you to leave here today and to tell me how it is that Jesus heals blind people, you'd go back through the New Testament and you'd never find Jesus healing a blind person the same way twice. Because he always meets us where we are. He meets us in our point of need and he does what needs to be done. He's creative like that. And so your story may be different than the person next to you and the person behind you, the person before you. Uh, Jesus showed up at their work and he called them to leave everything behind. That may not be your story, but what I do guarantee will happen is at some point he will show up in your place of theory and he will invite you into reality through the classroom of opportunity. And he will show up, not with another sermon, not with another podcast, not with another theory. He's gonna say, I want to give you the chance right here and right now to step all the way in to the thing that God is doing right in front of you. And it's in those moments that we discover what's really under the surface. And I love this, what you see is you you look back at these guys' story, Jesus shows up, he says, hey, come follow me. I'm not following you, you come follow me. He says, and I wanna repurpose your life for the kingdom of God. And it says that they stepped into that. And, and I think sometimes if we're not careful, it's easy to step back and go, okay, man, that's not our story. It's not our time. But what, but what I'm convinced of is that Jesus, like right here, right now, is knocking on the door of your heart, opening up an opportunity for you to get into the deeper waters of the kingdom of heaven. Whether you've been a lifelong follower of Jesus or not. And, and I just want us to notice, although your story is unique, I think there are a few things that are universal when it comes to how we step into this opportunity. And just a a few things that I want you to notice. And the first one is this, is that whenever the opportunity presents itself, whenever the opportunity presents itself, it will require you to recognize Jesus for who he is. Whenever the kingdom opportunity is gonna present itself, it's gonna require you to recognize Jesus for who he is. And so these disciples are there in the middle of the work day. and, And Jesus shows up and from the shore he says, hey, leave it all, like, come follow me. And and we don't know much of their story before this. I remember when I was a kid, I would read this, and it almost seems as though this is their first interaction with Jesus. And I remember as a kid just thinking, man, they must be the most bored people on the face of the planet. They must be losers. Who quits everything to follow a stranger? But, But the truth is, Jesus wasn't a stranger to these guys. In fact, when you read the other Gospels, you realize that he had spent some significant time with them He had been in Simon's house before this. He had healed Simon's mother-in-law. Some people think that Jesus had spent a year in their little area teaching, preaching, healing the sick. They knew that Jesus was not just another guy. They didn't know who he was, but they knew that he was better than anyone else they'd ever met so all of a sudden they find themselves in this moment, Jesus extends the invitation and they have the ability to recognize that Jesus is not just another voice among other voices. He's not just another teacher among other teachers. He's not just another philosopher among other philosophers. That Jesus shows up and he is uniquely special. And because they're able to recognize him for who he was, they stepped through the opportunity that opened up. I was telling you earlier about my friend Marathi from Kenya. I remember when I met him, it was almost three years ago. I was down in Orlando, I was speaking at this conference and he was speaking there as well. And afterwards we ended up uh, getting sat down at this table together. It felt random, but I look back on it and just know it was the things of God. And I'm sitting down at this table with Moravi, and I remember just thinking, man, I've never met anybody quite like this guy. He's amazing. And just, uh, I was just touched by the presence of God in his life. I don't know if you've ever met somebody like that. I come home and I tell Sydney about him, and she's blown away by everything that I've shared. And a few months later, he calls and says, hey, I'm coming back to the States, can I come stay with you and your family in Nashville? I said, of course, come on over. Sydney gets to meet him for the first time, she's blown away, we had the same experience. A few more months go by and I'll never forget, we're driving down to Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're getting ready to go preach at one of our churches there in downtown Chattanooga. And we're driving down, uh, getting ready for church and Moravey and his wife, Carol, they call us and they said, hey, We've got a crazy invitation, but we wanna invite you and your family to come spend a month with us in Kenya." And I'm like, when? And they're like, in six weeks from now. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if you know the way Americans work, but I need to plan this thing like six years out. Like that's kind of the way, that, that, that's the way that we operate as Americans, right? But he said, I, I, I want you to come. And he said, it's gonna require a lot of you, he's like, you're gonna have to figure out how to pay to get over here, you're gonna have to figure out what to do about your job, you're gonna have to figure out what to do with your kids in school. Like, it's gonna be a mess, but you need to come. I remember us just getting off the phone, and we never had a question as to whether or not we should do it. We just had to figure out how to do it, because we recognized that the one who was inviting us was worth going to be with. I remember being on the plane ride over, and we're we're on our way over to Nairobi, and Sydney leans over, and she says, hey, do you know who's picking us up at the airport tonight, and do you know where we're staying? And I thought, I have no clue. (laughs) Which is normally kind of an unsettling response when you and your wife and your three small kids are on the way to a different country. But because we recognize the goodness of the one that had invited us, there's no fear. I don't know what the opportunity is gonna look like. I don't know what it is that Jesus is gonna put before you. But here's what you have to know is the one who is inviting you is worth trusting. He's worth trusting. And unless you can recognize Jesus for who he is, in all of his goodness, in all of his wisdom, in all of his grace, in all of his love, you will find yourself sitting on the sidelines of the kingdom. I love this. Jesus says, I wanna move you from theory to reality in the classroom of opportunity. He says, but it's gonna start with you being able to recognize me for who I am. But it's not just about recognizing Jesus for who he is. It's about being able to release anything that would hinder you from stepping into that invitation. I love this. Look back at Verse 18. Or verse 17, he says, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Jesus says, I've got this thing that I'm calling you into, but in order for you to move from where you are to where it is that you want to be, it's going to require you to let go of some of the things that you're holding on to right here and now. And for every one of us, that looks different. You know, for some of us, it's really obvious. And for some of us, it's gonna be more subtle. But for every one of us, the adventure of Christ that lays before you will require you to let go of some things. I remember being 12 years old and the first time I went on a hiking, backpacking, camping trip with some friends, there's this guy that was leading us on the trip and he had told us what to buy and what to bring. I bought my first ever like hiking backpack and I loaded it all up. And uh, my parents dropped me off at the place where we're getting ready to go on, the, on this kind of excursion together. And the first thing he does is he takes all of our backpacks, he puts them on a scale to see how much they weigh and then he immediately starts repacking them. And remember, I, I laid my backpack on the scale and it weighed like three times more than it was supposed to. And, and he takes it and he laughs and he starts dumping everything out and giving stuff back to my parents. And, and, and at first I wasn't too offended because I'd never done it before, but then he starts getting rid of stuff that I thought I needed. He starts giving my parents food to take back and water to take back. I'm like, this dude's gonna kill me. Like, what's, what's the deal? And I, I'll never get, he just looked at me and said, hey, you gotta trust me, man. We're, we're gonna get about two miles into the hike and there's gonna be a place to refill your water bottles. You don't need to bring three water bottles. And here's what we're doing for food and here's what we're doing to to sleep. He's like, you've got to trust me in all of this. And he knew that in order for me to go on the journey, I was going to have to release some of the things that I was carrying. He knew that I couldn't carry the heaviness of the pack to the place that it was that we're supposed to go. And this is life in the kingdom of God. Jesus shows up and he says, I want you to to trust me, not just in your mind, but all the way down in the heart. And the way that this is gonna happen is you'll recognize me for being the good God that I am. But beyond that, you'll start releasing some things. And the truth is that there are seasons when Jesus asks you to release some things and they're so obvious because they're obviously bad. You're like, I've gotta release this addiction. I've gotta release this behavior. I've gotta release this relationship, whatever it is. But I don't know if you've ever discovered this. It's, It's the stuff it's not obviously bad, but the stuff that's seemingly good that is always the most difficult to release. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus says, hey, it's not that your plan for your life was bad, but I need you to release it in order to go to the place that I want you to go. Hey, it's not that your desire for a family is bad, but I need you to release that back to me so that you can go to the place that I want you to go. Hey, it's not that this job or this behavior or this friendship is bad, but I need you to release it so I can take you to the place that I want you to go. And Jesus shows up and he says, I want to move us. He wants to move our church from theoretical trust to actual trust in the classroom of opportunity. But he says, it's going to require that you recognize me for who I am, that you release the things that need to be released. And last but not least, and that you learn to respond to the voice of Jesus immediately. Look at this. It says, at once, verse 18, at once, at once, at once they left their nets at once they dropped their things, at once they, they stepped into the things of God. And I go. There are seasons, please hear me on this, there are seasons for discernment. But there are a lot of seasons where we use the idea of discernment to disguise our disobedience. There, there are a lot of seasons where we are discerning things that Jesus has already told us to move on very clearly. And I love this, the disciples that are there in this, this moment And Jesus shows up and he says, hey, I've got this adventure for you. I want you to step in the kingdom of God, drop everything, come hang with me, like right here, right now. They recognize him, they release and they respond immediately. And they jump all the way in. And I go, man, is that your story? I go, is that my story? I think about this with my kids. You know, I've got boys, they're three, uh, six and eight years old. And one of the things that I'm consistently being reminded of is that when I ask them to do something, it's not just for their good, it's for their joy. And, and the, the, the fact of the matter is a lot of times I don't have the patience or the time or the energy to give them a dissertation on why I need them to hold my hand when we're walking through Target's parking lot. Like I don't, need to, to, I don't need them to go home and study it in their small group for six months. I don't need them to pray about it. I need them to just do what I ask for their joy and their benefit. And every time I watch my boys Walk in this area of delayed obedience. I'm reminded of just how frustrating at times my posture towards Jesus must be. Jesus, thanks for convicting me again. Jesus, thanks for telling me again. (laughs) Thanks for reaffirming that again. I'll talk about that for another six months again. And Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to discern it. I'm asking you to step into it. Jesus shows up, it's the kingdom. He says, there's an opportunity right before you to live under the protection, the provision, the priorities, the power of King Jesus. To live in a world within a world and Jesus doesn't show up on the shore and say, hey, do you get this intellectually? He says, do you get it in the heart? Do you get it all the way down? Because until your trust moves from the place of theory to reality, we miss out on all the good things of the kingdom. And Jesus, because he loves us, he shows up And by the power of the Holy Spirit, He uncovers all of the areas of theoretical trust in our lives. And He presents us with opportunities to step into the thing that we think we believe so we can find the one for whom our hearts are made. And go, guys, there's so much more in the kingdom. But it's not gonna come just through sermons and songs and conversations. It's gonna come when you have the eyes to recognize Jesus for who He is, the courage to release the things that need to be released and the willingness to respond in real time to the things that God is doing right here and right now for the sake of those that are around you. you, know, can, you can you imagine what would happen in our church that if, if we just became the church, when people talked about ethos, like, tell me about ethos, man, that's the group of people that when they hear the voice of God, they move. They get a lot of things wrong. <laughs> they don't have everything right, but man, when those people... <laughs> hear the voice of God, boom, they're gone. And I go, where is it? Where is it that God is giving you an opportunity to move? You know, for some of you, it's, it's so obvious right now. You're going, man, t- I've been thinking about baptism forever. I shared up here at Ethos. Today's Baptism Sunday. They said it's open to anybody. For some of you, it's, it's that obvious. You're going, I've got to be back here at seven tonight. I've got to respond immediately. For some of you, it's, it's something that you need to let go of. You know, you're, you're, there's this sinful behavior, there's this relationship, there's this behavior, there's this addiction, there's this whatever it is. And you go, man, that's the thing that Jesus has been asking me to let go of so I can keep moving. For some of you know, and it's immediately obvious. And here's what I just wanna say to you from my heart to yours with as much love as I know how. Do not let the sun go down today without you doing what Jesus has asked you to do. Just do it. You can trust him. He's good. He's amazing. And the fruit of that kind of obedience is gonna be more far-reaching than you can ever imagine. And I remember being in high school, I went on this surfing trip with some of my best friends and it was one of my favorite weeks of my life. And was so much fun, but we had this one friend who the whole time, he never really got in the water. And I look back on those pictures every now and then and he's in every single one of the pictures. And he was there, but like I think back on it and I go, he was there, but he missed the best part of being there. (laughs) And And I look out at the church sometimes and I go, there's a lot of us that are in the family picture, but we're missing out on the thing that makes it so fun to be in the family in the first place. And that's walking in intimate, radical, immediate obedience to King Jesus that says, I wanna take the entirety of your life on my shoulders. Come follow me. And I go, go, where's he calling you? What's the step? What's the opportunity? What's the door? For some of you, it'll be obvious. Don't let the sun go down today without moving into it. For some of you, it won't be quite as obvious. And I I just wanna ask you, just encourage you. Don't be discouraged by that. Just start asking Jesus. Hey, Jesus, would you reveal to me the areas where my trust in you is still just theoretical? And I promise you, Jesus will close that gap between theory and reality, but it will come in the school of opportunity. And when you ask Jesus to close that gap, he will come with opportunities. And you'll have to decide where you step through it. Just ask him, I promise he'll come. So here's, here's what I wanna do this morning before we take communion together, and before we stand up and worship. I, I want us to spend some time processing and praying as a family. There's gonna be two words or uh, two questions that are on the screen. Go ahead and put those up there. Um, I I wanna invite you, you can talk about these with the people next to you, or you can sit there and just process on your own. If you don't wanna talk to somebody next to you, just say, hey, I just need to reflect by myself for a moment. But here's the two questions. The first is this, where is Jesus inviting you to trust him more deeply? And number two, what opportunities, what steps of faith is Jesus calling you into today? I wanna encourage you here in, in just a moment to answer these two questions with somebody next to you or to spend some time processing these on your own and then to spend some time praying out loud over one another. After we've done that for 10 or 12 minutes, I'll get back up. I'll send us to communion. You can come up and receive prayer from our prayer team and we'll end our day in worship. But I I want us to really stop. I don't want us to live in the place of theory this morning going, oh, Jesus is inviting us to follow. No, where is he asking you to follow him right here, right now? And are you gonna move into it? Let's pray and then I'll break this up in groups. God, thank you for this opportunity today. Thank you for letting us get to be together. Thank you for letting us get to open your word. And God, we don't wanna sit on the sidelines in the kingdom, we want to see. We wanna see the deeper things of the kingdom that come only as we step into the opportunities that you present before us. So God, this morning as we pray, as we take communion as we worship, as we drive home, as we go about our days, Lord, would, would you make the opportunities in front of us so crystal clear? Would you give us the courage to step all the way through uh, into those things? In the name of Jesus, I pray and give thanks, amen.